Open your cerebral cortex and shift your lobes into upper beta phase because you are going to have Bitcoin knowledge transmitted directly into your vestibulocochlear. Your host at Bitcoin Knowledge is Trace Mayer, an early Bitcoin advocate since it cost a quarter, but this is not intended to be investment advice. A doctor of jurisprudence, but this is definitely not legal advice. And an investor in core cryptocurrency infrastructure, including Armory, BitPay, Kraken, and Mitagio, but this is not a recommendation of those services. Here, you get fed via direct mind download with pure and free Bitcoin knowledge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Dollar Vigilante. I've got a great guest coming back on. It's Trace Mayer of Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast and also one of the most knowledgeable people in Bitcoin that I've ever known. Uh, he's also the person who really got me into Bitcoin. The very first Bitcoin I ever received was from Trace. And uh, I forget how much you sent me, but it's, it's worth a lot more now. If I, but I, spent, I spent it immediately, I think, at your bookstore. So I... <laughs> but uh, I think Bitcoin is around like $30 back then or $10. Oh, no, it was like $3. Oh, $3. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Because, because that, you know, we, we did that <laughs> transaction and then uh, you start, we started talking about it on Anarchast and stuff like that, you know, making your people a whole bunch of money. Like, uh, yeah, fun, fun old days, right? Yeah, man, I wish I bought more back then. Oh, well, you can only, but we're, we're doing well now. Bitcoins, uh, currently, we're recording this just so people know on May 24th, uh, because the cryptocurrencies are moving so much. I have to say the exact date and time we're talking about this stuff. It's 930 in the morning, uh, Mexico time on May 24th. Uh, currently, Bitcoin's at about $2,400 uh, and uh, just been going crazy. Um, and uh, I'm actually going to put this uh, just for people who, if you're watching this on YouTube, if it's live on YouTube, I'm actually going to release this first to uh, Dollar Vigilante subscribers. I always want to give them the uh, the first information. And Trace always gives us some great inside information on what's going on. And we're going to get into all of what's going on because this is so interesting uh, with uh, Bitcoin. Uh, there is so much. Uh, so I'm going to release this to Dollar Vigilante subscribers first, and then it's going to go live on YouTube soon after that. We're just going to give Dollar Vigilante subscribers a bit of time to buy or sell based on what Trace is saying here. Uh, and one of the things, Trace, that's been interesting for Bitcoin is with Bitcoin going up so much, uh, currently $2,400, it's quite interesting. It is going up so much because Bitcoin has a lot of problems right now. As we talked about the last time we talked, it's uh, transaction fees have been skyrocketing. Uh, 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 time to transfer has been uh, terrible. I actually had uh, numerous times this week where it took more than two days to transfer some Bitcoin. Uh, and that was from blockchain.info. Uh, and um, so this absolutely like the, the whole network has got major problems, yet Bitcoin is skyrocketing. And that's because I think, in my opinion, people are starting to wake up to how powerful of a idea Bitcoin is. But we have to get through what's currently going on. So what happened just recently was yesterday, it was announced that 56 Bitcoin companies have approved the SegWit 2 megabit combined fork plan. Uh, I talked to you and you're saying it's not a big deal. I talked to Roger Rivera, he doesn't like it. And what you were telling me is there's actually a, another thing in the works called, I believe it's called BIP, uh, let me just pull it up here, BIP 148, uh, which is a user activated software. Now this gets a little complicated and technical. Uh, for people who aren't that into technical stuff, uh, uh, you might not even want to watch this, but the important thing is you need to know that this is going on if you hold Bitcoin, because this could really affect uh, your Bitcoin. You could actually end up losing your Bitcoin if this goes through. And plus, at the end, we're going to give you some information on how you can make some money off of all of this as well. So you might want to stick around for that. 
but yeah, Trace, this gets complicated. Uh, I'd never heard about BIP 148 until you told me about it just yesterday. You say it comes into effect on August 1st of this year, and you could end up, if you're not paying attention, losing your Bitcoin. So tell us what's going on. Well, let, I mean, first, let's be clear. You're not you're not going to lose your Bitcoin if you're properly securing them and validating them. Okay. <laughs> uh, if you're using a third party, who knows what's, what's going to happen. But that's one of the beautiful things about Bitcoin. And also, you know, at the end of the interview, uh, we both like uh, had some fun with altcoins. And so I've got an, an altcoin that I think might actually be an opportunity. So we're going to talk about that at the end of the interview. So, that you know, to incentivize people to, to stay on. Uh, and, you know, we've made lots of money with these altcoins. Ether went from like 60 cents to $200. Dash, uh, I interviewed the lead developer at $3. It's at 150 right now. I mean, just outsized returns. But So anyways, but that that's for later in the interview. We want to make sure our money's safe to begin with. So, so first, what we need to understand is there are differences in how upgrades to the Bitcoin protocol network can happen. And there have been a lot, there's been lots of disagreement over the last few years about how to upgrade Bitcoin to handle more of this scalability. Now, the way that we can upgrade the Bitcoin network is with a miner activated hard fork, a miner activated soft fork, a user activated hard fork, or a user activated soft fork. For the most part, we don't do the hard fork stuff. It's just too risky, takes way too much coordination and it's not backwardsly compatible. So Bitcoin Core, who comprises all the Dream Team developers that are good, uh, you know, not the JV bench warmers riding around in the clown car, uh, they work on Bitcoin Core and Bitcoin Core, because it's extremely safe, extremely conservative, they haven't rolled out hard forks, right? They have, however, rolled out both minor activated soft forks and user-activated soft forks. Now, what's interesting about Barry's agreement is that it involves uh, a hard fork. I don't know how he thinks he's going to get consensus around that. I mean, it's just, so it's it's just a non-starter. And already, people who have signed it, like Roger Ver and Jihan, have said that they don't agree to the terms that, that are in the letter that DCG put out. So, I mean, it's just like, it's just more of the same. It's more stalling, basically. Now, there, there's good reason for this stalling to happen. These transaction fees that the users pay, they go basically to Jihan and Bitmain. So it's a way for Bitmain to like milk the user community. And those fees have gone from $100,000 in January to you know upwards of a million dollars a day now. And I think that's kind of a good thing. You know, I think it's great that we have a lot of paying customers for Bitcoin. Now, it is unfortunate because it prices some use cases out of the market. Like BitPay that I invested in, you know, if transaction fees are five, ten, a hundred dollars, uh, BitPay doesn't become very feasible, right? As a as a business model. So it's like you need to just go find a different blockchain to play on. Um, and so Barry, who's invested in 50 plus companies, you know, I understand like these transaction fees are becoming a real problem for those companies he's invested in. And they, those, those investments could go to zero, you know, and it's because of Bitmain not upgrading the protocol. 
Now, what's very interesting about the situation we find ourselves in is that people on the Bitcoin network run the Bitcoin core software code for network consensus. Okay, we need to keep in mind there are two things that you need to do to make sure that the Bitcoins that you think you have, you actually have. One is you need to control your own private keys. And that's one of the reasons I funded Armory is so people can control their own private keys. The second thing you need to do is you need to validate, you need to validate the consensus rules of the network, okay? A Bitcoin is whatever an individual decides a Bitcoin is to them. And the way that you decide what a Bitcoin is to you is by the software code that you run to validate the blockchain, okay? Right now, 96% of the network uses Bitcoin Core to do that validation. If you run Armory, you run it on top of Bitcoin Core, which makes it more secure because then you're, you're enforcing the validation rules of Bitcoin Core that everybody else is, is enforcing, okay? When, now, what's happened with, with, with Jihan and Bitmain blocking the development uh, and, and upgrade of Bitcoin is that it's stifling the, the innovation. And we're getting, you know, there's a lot of like conflicts between people because of that. And yet Bitcoin is maintaining the status quo, which is like, hey, if Bitcoin can remain safe and secure and solid with this type of political disagreement and monetary disagreement between actors, then Bitcoin's a good store of value. I'm going to put more money into Bitcoin, you know, so so like it's actually a good thing, I think, you know, status quo. Now, some of the core developers uh, have gotten, you know, they, they think that we need to just break through this impasse, right? And with Light, Litecoin, for example, activated segregated witness a few weeks ago. But what, what happened before is that the Litecoin community of users decided that they were going to implement a user-activated soft fork to activate segregated witness. And then within a few days of enough of the community rallying around it, miners decided, whoa, 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 we don't wanna get fired. So we're just gonna activate it through the miner activated soft fork mechanism that, that it already has. And boom, it got activated like that. So what, what we need to keep in mind is that the work that miners do only has value because holders and users ascribe value to that work. So subjective value theory. Some people have a fallacious, a false idea in economics called the labor theory of value, which is <laughs> commies that, mostly. <laughs> yeah, commies. You know, I mean, it's just people that think backwards, that think that something has value because of how much work you put into it, right? Like just because you spend an entire lifetime digging a hole in the middle of North Dakota doesn't mean that that hole has any value. Like who's gonna pay you to dig that hole that was worthless to dig? Like that hole has no value. So labor theory of value is a false idea. So 
miners, the work that they do only has value if users, right, users value it. Well, if users decide that they're going to upgrade Bitcoin protocol and they're going to do it through a soft fork, what that, that means is like a hard fork is when you remove a consensus rule or you take a current consensus rule and make it less restrictive. So an example would be the one megabyte block size. If you remove the one megabyte block size rule, that would be a hard fork. If you say, if you wanna change the one megabyte rule to two megabytes, that's a hard fork because it's less restrictive. If you wanted, if you wanted to change it to 500 megabytes, that would be a soft fork, right? And keep in mind, all blocks that follow the soft fork rules also follow the legacy rules. So if you if you do a if if the community were to do a user activated soft fork to 500 kilobyte blocks, though the, the, those blocks would still be valid as under the the old rules with one megabyte rule. And and if that chain, if there were a split in the chain, and that that user activated soft fork chain got longer than the legacy chain, then the legacy chain would get reorged back into the 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 soft fork chain, and all that economic activity on the legacy chain would cease to exist. It never happened, right? Like that's scary if you're holding Bitcoin. Like you, I I buy your condo from you, and six months later, and I sent you Bitcoins on the legacy chain, and then on the on the soft fork chain, I sent the Bitcoins to myself. So there's a divergence between the two. Six months later, the chain reorgs. I have the 200 Bitcoins, and I have your condo. Well, at least I know where you live. <laughs> right, right. But but what what happens when you're dealing with a thirty billion dollar economy, right? And you know, bitcoins are moving in and out of all these places and flowing through the whole economy. Poof, all that economic history gone, reorged back into the soft fork. Okay, so that's that's kind of the risk that we're looking at. So what what we have is we have companies. What are companies going to do? Right, because basically, what happens when you have this soft fork is uh, think of it like a share split. You know, you have eBay, and then you have a share split, and now you have eBay and you have PayPal. Right? If you owned eBay before, you should own both eBay and PayPal after. Well, if you start trading your eBay shares around and you start trading your PayPal shares around. And then six months later, the reorg happens and all these eBay share share transactions disappear and all the eBay shares go back to just the PayPal shareholders. Man, I mean, that they could just be a lot of turbulence, you know, and they're going to be a lot of unhappy eBay shareholders and third party companies. So third party companies, what they need to do to be prepared for this is they need to support both legacy chain and BIP 148, like period. 
Like it's just not really an option. They, they have to support it. The reason is because uh, like when this happened with Ether, Coinbase uh, didn't properly split the coins and everything with Ether and Ether Classic. And they just decided to make the Ether Classic people whole out of their own pocket. And it cost Coinbase like $28,000 or something to do that, right? Well, what happens if the what what happens if it's you know three six months down the road? I mean, can Coinbase really make hundreds of millions of dollars whole if the chain gets reorged? Like, I mean, Coinbase would just be bankrupted, right? Like, gone. Okay, and if and if the business operational losses from making customers whole doesn't bankrupt them, then guess what's going to bankrupt them? a class action lawsuit for unjust enrichment, that's going to bankrupt them. So companies companies have to support BIP 148 or or they're just like, they're, they're opening themselves up to huge liability. And BIP 148 already has over 10% of the Bitcoin network signal, signaling for it, okay? And it will go into effect August 1st, period. It will go into effect. It, it's not, it doesn't have an activation threshold. There's none of this type of stuff. It goes into effect, period. That means that 10% of the nodes on the Bitcoin network are enforcing these more restrictive rules. So in other words, we can see August 1st in the horizon and there's a storm cloud and there's gonna be turbulence. So we need to prepare for that turbulence. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a website uh, that has made an objective guide for new people on how to handle this. It's called uh, uasfguide.com. It'll walk you through step-by-step. Step. If you're a holder, if you're, a, if you're spending Bitcoins, if you're a merchant, there's actually a, a guide for how exchanges can implement uh, supporting BIP 148. So, you know, hey, be ahead of the curve. And if you keep Bitcoins on a service or you use a service to buy Bitcoins or whatever, email their customer support and ask them if they are supporting BIP 148. And if they're not supporting BIP 148, don't use that service until the turbulence has calmed down. Like, you know, just, just be extremely safe and secure with your money. Right. Which means that you need to know what you're buying and you need to take possession of it. You know, you need it in your own wallet with your own keys that you're controlling it. So you need to know what software you're using to validate whether you have something and you need to have the private keys that you actually do have it. So, I mean, like it doesn't really matter what your what your position on whether you should, you know, whether we should do BIP 148 or not. Like it's going to happen. And so, you know, you just have to, you have to take personal responsibility and, and that means technical literacy and whatnot. And, you know, don't be trusting third-party services with the keys and the validation because let's say that they do not, let, let's say that you have your Bitcoins on a service and they decide not to support BIP 148. They got your keys right? Like you're kind of screwed. 
And let's say that let's say that they just decide they're going to keep all the BIP 148 coins. They should be your coins, but they got the coins. And maybe it's only half a Bitcoin worth and it's not worth it for you to hire a lawyer to go get them. You know, you just got you just got robbed in a way. So so, you know, that go go find the go go look at the UASFguide.com, figure out how you're going to play it yourself and prepare for the turbulence and don't just get caught flat footed. You know, you get caught flat footed on something like this. Uh, whew, yeah, not going to be any fun. And and people could trade it too. You know, an exchange could trade could offer trading between BIP 148 and the legacy coin, like Kraken has done with Ether and Ether Classic and lots of exchanges. So so I anticipate that that there's going to be trading that happens. Uh, we're going to get price discovery uh, between the two chains. That's going to impact minor behavior. You know need to be prepared. And the first part of being prepared is to just even being aware of it happening in the first place. And I think that, you know, this is probably the first interview that's like a real serious interview with that's going to get wide, wide play in the community. So, hey, we're breaking, breaking the news here first, right? Yeah, it's so fascinating uh, with Bitcoin. Just to see how this all develops, uh, as we've seen, uh, it's all free market. There, there's no no government involvement. There's no government regulations. Uh, this thing all just needs to be worked out in the market. And it's fascinating to see how the market does work itself out. So we've seen this sort of back and forth going on for a while now. We've seen Bitcoin having problems. Uh, looks like BIP 148 uh, is going to come in, uh, and uh, people need to be aware of that. So this also goes back to, uh, you know, be aware of, you know, have some knowledge, uh, you know. Be secure in your own, uh, you know, if you have a lot of money, be, make sure you know how that money works. That's sort of a thing that's all yeah. been taken away from us through government and, and the banking system. Oh, you don't need to know about any of that sort of stuff. Take responsibility for your own stuff. But the real question, Trace, is will this solve uh, some of the issues that are currently ongoing with uh, Bitcoin. Uh, I know you mentioned to me before that uh, the miners actually don't really like it, uh, and so it's that it's the users that are actually could put this into effect, and then the miners will have to follow suit. So that's also interesting. It's sort of another free market thing. So the miners are acting in their own self-interest, uh, but it's actually uh, going against the interest of most of the people who are using the actual thing, Bitcoin. Uh, so the people themselves will change and then the miners will have to change. It's all fascinating. But will this, if this goes through, and, and you say will go through one way or another, but if it becomes used quite widely, will this take, uh, will this uh, solve a lot of the problems like the transaction fees being so high and the uh, transaction times taking so long? Oh, yeah. I mean, th think about it. Segregated Witness has taken tens of thousands of developer hours, which translates into probably hundreds of millions of dollars of resource and development costs. It's been widely tested. 99% of the community wants to use it. It's the way that we upgrade the Bitcoin protocol. It's widely wanted. BIP 148 is going to enforce it. And the legacy chain is going to be at risk of a reorg because they're not enforcing it. The core developers, they can't get any of their upgrades and developments done on the legacy chain. So, you know, three, six, nine months down the road, they can go work on BIP 148 and get their stuff done over there. And, and if you're a holder of Bitcoin, you have Bitcoins on both chains. You know, if you're a holder, you can just sit tight. 
you know, might be a little bumpy with the price, but you, 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 you're not at risk of losing any of your Bitcoins if you're holding the keys yourself and you're doing your own validation. You know, so keep that in mind. Prepare now, you know, use like the glacierprotocol.org, uh, use Bitcoin Core, make sure that you've got all your Bitcoins off of the various services all over the place where you've got them, bring them back, have them yourself, and then just ride through the turbulence, you know, and, and like you said, it's a, it's just market, it's just a market at work, you know, markets are, are turbulent, you know, when, when, uh, when somebody has a, a monopoly or, or an oligopoly and they're able to sell a bunch of moldy bread, well, guess what happens? Like somebody starts up a new bakery and they bake fresh bread. I mean, that's what happens, you know? And so like the miners are selling a bunch of stale, old, moldy bread and they're, and they're trying to charge a higher and higher price for it. And BIP 148 is going to open up a new bakery and say, hey, everybody, we're, we're making brand new bread over here. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's even higher quality. It's organic and no GMOs and all this stuff. It's higher quality bread. It's brand new. You know, oh, oh, and everybody's got both bread to begin with, you know, if you're a holder. So, like, you're, you're, you're not going to lose your Bitcoins unless you start sending them around and get, you know, and, and don't understand that there was a split that happened. And now you're sending, you know, you're sending both your eBay and your PayPal shares when, you, you know, if you thought you, that you that you only had eBay shares, but you really have e eBay and PayPal shares, then you might send eBay shares and not be aware that you also have PayPal shares and you sent those, but didn't necessarily mean to. Like that's the problem, right? And, and it can get confusingly similar because let's say that Bitcoin.org decides to do one thing and Bitcoin.com with Roger Ver decides to do something else. And now we've got like a fight over this Bitcoin brand name and and nobody owns the trademark, so it's confusingly similar. And who knows what's listed as what on exchanges? And who knows whether the exchanges support BIP 148 or support the legacy chain or support both? Or, I mean, that's what I'm saying. There could be a lot of turbulence. So, you know, make sure that you're, you're doing your own network consensus, have your own private keys, get your Bitcoins off of third party services, email the customer support, and ask them whether they're going to be supporting. BIP 148 or not, if they're not supporting BIP 148, that is a huge, huge red flag. Because, I mean, you, you want to know whether you're getting your eBay share, your PayPal share, or both shares. You don't want any ambiguity in what you're buying, right? You want to know exactly what you're buying. And so if they're not going to have a firm stance and let you know exactly what they're, what they're supporting and what they're doing, Woo, red flag to me. Uh, be very careful, you know, with with any money that's over there, and uh, you know. So go get familiarized with the with the guide. The guide helps. Ha, you know, you can send it, it. It tells exchanges what they need to do to support BIP one forty eight. We could actually even have a token trading that that would be a BIP one forty eight token. You know, so kind of like a futures token. So we could actually start getting price discovery before August 1st. That would be kind of cool, in my opinion. 
but these are, I mean, it's all free market solutions. And what's the free market solution to? It's that Bitmain is, is charging a ton of money for transaction fees. You know, and if user, users only have two options, two realistic options right now. They only have two. Continue paying Bit, Bitmain, higher and higher transaction fees without getting any innovation in the product, or do a user-activated soft fork. Those are the only two options that are realistic and feasible. BIP148 is, is, you know, a user-activated soft fork, and it's going to happen August 1st. I think it would probably be a good thing to, to wait for the current SegWit to uh, expire and then redeploy SegWit perhaps as like BIP149, like Greg Maxwell or Matt Corallo suggest. That's how I think it would be able to be done without much disruption. But hey, we don't live in a perfect world. And sometimes if you're going to make an omelet or you're going to make new bread, you got to break a couple of eggs and people got to lose some money to, to understand what's going on. And I mean, I've had friends that have lost a lot of money in this space. I had a friend who lost $5 million on Mt. Gox. I had another friend uh, using blockchain.info and Man, he lost five million on Mt. Gox. What that'd be worth today? Unbelievable! Oh my gosh, it'd be like <laughs> yeah, it'd be a lot of money. I had another friend, dollars. I had another friend that uh, lost over a million and a half dollars on Blockchain.info. You know, I mean, I went to school with his. How did he lose the money on Blockchain.info? Yeah, so so I went to school. I went to law school with his wife, and we we were just catching up, and I was talking about Bitcoin, and he was like, "I want to buy some." And so we went and set up a blockchain.info wallet, and then we walked down to like uh, the did the money grant thing. I think we used BitInstant even, and so he got a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin. And I told him I was like, now you know, blockchain.info is fine for like a hundred dollars, but if you're gonna get more Bitcoin, like use Armory, right? Like do the hard work, figure out how to use Armory. I get pinged from him on Skype. And he's like, uh, all my Bitcoins and blockchain.info are gone. Uh, do you think we can get them back? And I like looked at it and I was like, no, those, those are gone, man. And he was like, how do you think it happened? And, I was, and he kind of told me what was going on. And I think what happened is blockchain.info got DDoS'd in a way that they, they sent out, they, they gave out you know, millions probably, hundreds of thousands of encrypted wallets. And then the people that were pinging the servers and downloading all these wallets, I think that they then brute forced the passwords. Because I asked him, I was like, how long was your password? Was it short? And he was like, yeah, it was two characters. <laughs> I was like, oh man, like, are you serious? And I, then, I, then, then I asked the next question. I was like, how, like, how much did you have? And he was like, about one and a half million. Oh. I was like, I was like, oh, oh my gosh, you gotta be kidding me! Like, really? And two-letter password. <laughs> yeah, and he's the most paranoid Bitcoin user that I know now. <laughs> yeah, <I'll> that. <laughs> like he, like he went and he went and bought this laptop and had him remove the wireless card and like, <laughs> I mean, like he he's got he's got his, his cold storage is like underneath Antarctica, right? <laughs> um, he's like, but but that's what happens. Like you lose some money, all of a sudden, like oh man, maybe I should take this more seriously. And and he's 
And I had no idea he had that much Bitcoin, you know, because like I like I'm like Johnny Appleseed, like plant all these Bitcoin seeds. Right. Like, I don't know how much Bitcoin everybody like all my friends have got. I don't ask. It's none of my business. Um, had I known that I would have, you know, I would have gone over and like walked him step by step through and helped him properly secure his Bitcoin. You know, I just didn't know he had it. And but he's taken personal responsibility. And he he's told me he was like. You know, when I had $100 worth of Bitcoin, I put $100 worth of thought into securing it. Mm. When I had a million, $1.5 million worth of Bitcoin, I was still only putting $100 worth of thought into securing it. You know, if guess who signed Barry Silbert's agreement? Blockchain.info, right? Blockchain.info has been notorious for technical flaws. Like I, I would not keep, I would not keep any Bitcoin on blockchain.info. Zero. I used to use them. You know, I show my friend how to use them, but they've just had so many security incidents over the years. Zero, you know, bread wallet, copay, samurai wallet. Now, here's part of the problem. Let's say you're using bread wallet or you're using samurai wallet or you're using copay. Guess who runs the server that actually interacts with the blockchain? BitPay or BreadWallet or Samurai Wallet does, right? I mean, you could go in there and set up the details for your own full node to interact with the, with the network. But for the most part, if you're using one of those apps on your phone, you're going through their server that tells you whether or not you have a Bitcoin doing the validation, and then you have the private keys, right, on your phone. Well, this is a problem because Bip, uh, BitPay signed up for uh, for Barry's agreement. Is BitPay supporting BIP 148? Stephen Pear, the CEO, made a tweet. He said, no, we are not supporting BIP 148. So guess what? You might have Bitcoins on your copay wallet, but when BIP 148 happens, you're like you're – you know, it, it splits into two and copay is only supporting the eBay shares. They're not supporting the PayPal shares on the copay wallet. So you're going to send your eBay shares off to buy something and inadvertently send off your PayPal shares. And if BIP148 gets longer and reorgs, poof, Bitcoins are gone. You lost money. You know, do not pass go. You don't get them back. They're, I mean, it's gone. And so Samurai Wallet, on the other hand, is going to be supporting BIP 148. You know, so, hey, if you're using Bread Wallet or Copay or whatever, and they either don't support BIP 148 or uh, they're, they haven't made an announcement and they aren't answering customer support inquiries about it, you might want to switch your wallet just to be safe, right? Just to be safe. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it, it could be a lot of turbulence and don't let anybody do the, the network validation for you. Because next thing you know, it, if, you, if you let that happen, and, and this, this goes to like fundamental principles of Bitcoin being decentralized and peer-to-peer, -peer, if you trust third parties to validate the blockchain for you, Guess what? That's where FinCEN or a government is going to go to exert pressure 
on, on, you know, on the ecosystem. You know, maybe, maybe the reason BitPay is not supporting BIP148 is because FinCEN told them not to. We don't know. Maybe they're under a gag order. We have no idea, you know? So, but all we can do is, all we can do is look at the code that people are running, do our own network validation and hold our own private keys. If you're not doing that, you're at the mercy of whoever's doing it for you. And as we've seen abundantly, you know, when, when people get to hold your private keys or whatever, they abuse it. They lose them with Mt. Gox. They, whatever. Like, so. It's that old saying, if you don't hold it, you don't own it with gold. Same with Bitcoin. Yeah, same with Bitcoin. And, and, the, and even more so, you need to do that network validation. Because every, every Bitcoin transaction, you melt the, the bar down make sure it's actually Bitcoin and recast it into a new bar. So if you're not, if you're not validating on the network, you're not doing the melting down process. So you don't know whether you actually got the gold bar or not, right? If you're not doing the validation. <laughs> so, so that's a critical component of properly using Bitcoin is doing this network validation, uh, th this transaction validation based on network consensus rules. Yeah, definitely something to be aware of. Absolutely. Uh, one big question that I get asked all the time, I'm going to ask you, is where's the price of Bitcoin going? And based on what you've said so far, it looks like uh, there could be some turbulent times ahead. Uh, first of all, what's your opinion on Bitcoin being currently over $2,400? Are you surprised or, or do you think it uh, should be higher, should it be lower? Where do you think it's going from here? And do you think it's this uh, turbulence is going to cause Bitcoin some problems in the next few months? Yes, yeah, so December of 2015, I wrote an article about the, the fourth great Bitcoin bubble. On your show, Bitcoin was like $600. This was, what, eight months ago or 11 months ago or something. And I actually called $3,000 price target. Hey, <laughs> we're over halfway there, right, for the, the U2 song. Um, I think I actually was uh, asked last year as well around when Bitcoin was 600 on, I think it was... Uh, Coin Telegraph. I did an article and they asked a bunch of people the uh, what they thought the uh, price of Bitcoin will be in 2017. And I believe I, I don't remember offhand. It was either 2,900 or 2,700. So already almost there. So we've both been quite right on that already. So that's yeah. great. And we're actually there on Japanese and Korean exchanges. I mean, the Japanese exchange—they're they're both trading at like 27, 2,800 dollars, probably 2,900 dollars now. Um, yeah. Calling the top, I mean, I, I'm not even going to attempt to do that. Uh, everybody's got to, you make money when you buy, not when you sell. Um, but hey, you know, take profits when you want to. But I mean, it. who knows where it could go. Uh, in turn, I, I do think that BIP 148 could be some significant turbulence. Uh, I don't think that Barry's agreement is going to, like, it's just a giant flop on its face. Uh, I don't. I don't see that gaining any widespread consensus. I don't see it happening. I, I think it's a stall tactic so that Bitmain can continue collecting all these transaction fees, uh, which will continue to stifle development, which will make users more incentivized to run a user-activated soft fork and and get the new shiny, you know, get the new bread that's of higher quality and ingredients. <clears throat> um, even if we have some type of a fork or split like this, look at how look at how it happened with Ether. 
I mean, Ether was, you know, 60 cents a couple years ago. It's $200 today. Even after, even when the, when the split happened, the, the combined market cap of Ether and Ether Classic was higher than Ether Classic before the split. So I actually think that, you know, we, we could see legacy Bitcoin and BIP 148 Bitcoin and that combined market cap could actually be higher than uh, Bitcoin before the split. And then all this development stuff could ha start happening on BIP 148 and that gets more widely used. The next thing you know, we've got, you know, we've basically got two different coins and, uh, you know, it, look at eBay. When eBay split into eBay and PayPal, you, you take the combined market cap of eBay and PayPal today and it's higher, much higher than it was uh, before the split. I just think it's important for people that they understand what's happening, get themselves, you know, go read the uasfguide.com, understand how you're going to play this, make sure that your coins are safe, understand what the third parties are doing that you're trading with, and be prepared. You know, if you're prepared, you don't really have anything to fear from this. Um, and there's a lot of upside, and there's definitely a lot of trading opportunity. It's going to make Kraken a ton of exchange fees. You know, if Kraken supports BIP 148, we're, it's going to make a ton of exchange fees, just like either Classic did. So, hey. What's your take on Ethereum? That's uh, has, man, it's, it's like skyrocketed. It's up even today, up 22% to $217 oh, as we speak. <laughs> uh, there's been just so much interest in it. What's your take for people who don't know much about Ethereum? What, what's your uh, take on it? Oh man, that's wonderful for uh, exchange fees at Kraken. Uh, <laughs> who was the first exchange to list Ether, by the way? Um, I think that we're we're I think we're seeing an innovation revolution. It's very much like the tech bubble in the '90s. Uh, tons of money is coming into this space. Ether, particularly, I think, is benefiting from corporate uh, money that's coming in, like Microsoft and the banks. I. I don't really have an opinion on the technical side of Ethereum. Stuff's just getting so complicated so fast, not just in Bitcoin, but across this whole space. Um, I am worried about this, the rate that their blockchain is growing. Uh, it's, it's getting really big. It's growing really fast. I, I also kind of question the immutability of Ether because unlike... You know, BIP 148 is gaining traction because users don't want to pay these high transaction fees. Uh, Ether, Ether Classic, that split happened because large holders of Ether didn't like how some transactions played out. And so they wanted to roll back the ledger. Right. So the immutability of Ether is in question. Right. You know, and and you have this complex, you have this code where the scripting language is much more open than Bitcoin, which means it's a lot more complicated, which means there's a lot more opportunity for bugs or, or hacks to happen, like the DAO. And I mean, is that what you're gonna do every time something undesirable happens? You're just gonna roll it back to the benefit of one party to the detriment of another? Sounds mm -hmm. like a bailout to me, you know? So, so that, you know, Hey, keep that in mind. But otherwise, I mean, Ether's, hey, look at the price. Can't argue with the price. Uh, and I like, you know, altcoins across the board are just going crazy. And maybe we'll talk a little bit about the one 
that I think might be an opportunity. Uh, but, you know, Dash, $1.1 billion market cap, Steam, like Steam's up to $1.20 or something like that. $1.30 right now. I'm watching yeah. it. Everything's so green every day. It's just like massive. Yeah, uh, yeah Dash is up uh, 16% to 155 right now. Monero wow. is up 30%. It was up like 80% yesterday uh, to yeah, 55 and- and you, uh, you're the one who uh, taught me about Steam, you know? Like, <laughs> I went and put an article on there and boom, like made all this money from Steam. So like, I mean, I'm not a hater of any of these altcoins. I think I think it's great to see all this diversity. Yeah, and for people out there who don't know, uh, we've featured a lot of these. Uh, of course, uh, I started talking about Bitcoin as soon as Trace first started telling me about it around $3 in 2011. Uh, so here's actually our, our performance to date on our cryptocurrency calls. We're up 75,000% on Bitcoin. Ethereum, I featured around $2 in January of last year. We're up 7,300%. Monero, we're up over uh, 2,000% now. Dash up over 700% now. Steam uh, up over 600%. And Dash and Steam were just in the last couple of months. Uh, and we're going to talk about one that you really like. But before we get into that, and by the way, if you want to subscribe to our newsletter, like that's pretty good returns. I don't know if you, anyone else is getting their returns like that on any other newsletter where they're telling you that Bitcoin's a scam or a Ponzi scheme uh, for the last five years. Uh, but um, before we get into the one that you think could really do well, I want to ask you about Ripple. This is one that I still don't have a solid opinion on. I never really looked at it too hard because I don't like that it's really like a bank coin. Uh, it's, it's really like part of the financial system. System, the old uh, archaic dinosaur financial system, uh, and I just don't want anything to do with it. But man, if you would have bought ten thousand dollars worth of Ripple like three months ago, I think that's like uh, like a million dollars. Like it's gone up massively. I remember when it was like like a quarter of a penny or something. It's now thirty two cents. Uh, it's its market cap right now is twelve billion dollars. Uh, I remember it was a billion dollars like a month ago or something. So it, it's just like absolutely skyrocketed. What's your take on Ripple? Yeah, so I've actually uh, I, I I went to the Ripple headquarters years ago, right? And and I've played I played Ripple a little bit. Um, you, you made it. You made a point there. It's like Bankcoin. I think I think people people need to understand one. This industry like has no place for ego, right? <laughs> like you 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 get your ego in front of the Bitcoin train, like. Choo choo, right? <laughs> um, like you, individuals make the decisions with these decentralized peer-to-peer currencies. Um, you try to fight the individuals in the market, like you're going to get ran over by the train. Uh, and that leads to a second point, which was some advice I got. Uh, you know, actually, before I even got into Bitcoin, I got some advice from a from a fellow who you know, PhD, MBA from Columbia, uh, worked at the Federal Reserve, run his own hedge fund, self-made billionaire. He told me, never let politics in your portfolio. And, you know, that's been been some very good advice for me. You know, I mean, I got my own libertarian leanings and stuff, but hey, like all money is money. Like, so um, for the most part, I, you know, I, I don't invest in companies that, uh, like have moral issues that I don't like, but, but the other hand, I like, I don't let, you know, I'm not going to run one of these, you know, I'm not going to only invest in companies that have gender, gender neutral bathrooms or whatever, like, <laughs> like no. Um, so with ripple, uh, 
I mean, we, we, we traded, we've traded it on Kraken for a long time and it, it was actually only doing like $800 a month of exchange fees for us. So we were, we were going to delist it, you know, cause it just wasn't like, it wasn't worth it to support it. Right. And, but there were no real changes in the protocol. So we just let it continue trading on there. It's done something like $80,000 a day in exchange fees. Oh, so, so nice. this, so this liquidity in Ripple, yeah, uh, there, there's, there's real liquidity there because, hey, we're collecting those exchange fees, right? Like it's not just fake volume out there. Um, so I think that's an important point for people to understand with it. Two, uh, I think it might have some good tech that has good use cases in particular situations. I don't think it's going to be a Bitcoin killer because it's totally AML KYC. Bank coin, uh, but hey, you know the current legacy system needs solutions, and wherever those solutions come from, uh, if you can profit from it, hey, like make some money from helping provide that solution, right? Is kind of my take. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, I haven't looked into it as I said, and uh, since it skyrocketed so much, I'm definitely not thinking of buying it at all. Uh, oh, I uh, wouldn't buy it here, but yeah, I've actually heard a lot of people saying it. It could be a real bubble uh, ripple. Have you heard any of that sort of talk? Uh, well, I just look at the chart. You know, right. I mean, look at the chart of all these altcoins. True. Um, yeah. No, we could definitely could see a pullback in all of them. But I'm I'm hearing from some people that Ripple could really have a massive pullback. Like Bitcoin could come back to who knows, thirteen hundred, fourteen hundred. Could even go lower. Anything is possible. But Ripple, I'm hearing, could go down like ninety nine percent. Is what yeah. some people are saying. I don't. I mean, why why else did they lock up all the XRP that they pre mined, right? Um, so like you've got the stock to flow, you've actually got the saleable amount of ripple. I think there are a lot of, uh, I think ripple has got a very large, like investor community that have put in like millions of dollars, but they don't necessarily understand the tech. And so as opposed to, as opposed to something like Bitcoin that has millions of users that all own a little bit of Bitcoin or a lot of Bitcoin. But like Bitcoin, I think, has a much healthier uh, underlying ecosystem than all the altcoins for that matter. Uh, Bitcoin transaction fees, like I said, nobody likes paying transaction fees, but I love the fact that transaction fees are high because that shows that people find value in using the Bitcoin network to the degree that they're willing to pay a lot of money to use it. Uh, take Dash, for example. Last time I checked, Dash transaction fees were like $400 a day compared to Bitcoin's million dollars a day, right? And so if you took the number, if you took the, the market cap of Bitcoin relative to transaction fees at the same ratio the Dash has of market cap to transaction fees, then Bitcoin would be around $36,000 a coin. So like either Bitcoin is under using transaction fee, daily transaction fees as a metric that a, mm. that a system is charging basically that at, at, to do valuation. Cause like page views, I don't think page views matter. I don't think sales matter. I think what matters is net income and transaction fees are the closest thing we've got to figuring out a net income for a, for a, for a blockchain. Right. And so, Based on that fundamental analysis, like either Bitcoin is overvalued, Dash, I mean, either Bitcoin is undervalued or Dash is overvalued or it's a combination of the two.
And so the trade, the trade that that sets up would be to sell Dash and buy Bitcoin, right? Um, I don't, I don't even know what Ripple's transaction fees in U.S. dollars are. Uh, I mean, I've never even looked at it. So I've I, heard it's I, not even fully a real blockchain, but yeah, I don't know anything about it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really <laughs> it's really kind of weird how, yeah. how it works. And they've rolled the ledger back before, so it's not immutable. And I think mm. they're building KYC like right into the token itself, uh, which is kind of crazy. See, that's why I've never looked. <laughs> I can't even stand thinking about all that crap. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, but so I miss out on a fortune by not looking at it. So you do have a good point on not letting yeah. my anti-politics, my anarchism get in the way of profit. Yeah, I mean, hey, like, I'll take profit in it. Kind of like a Ferengi, right? Like... <laughs> No problem with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it just raises a kind of the, the issue like Monero, for example, they came out with a public announcement about how there was a critical vulnerability with a, th- there was a bug in crypto note protocol, which Monero uses and a lot of other coins use it. And this bug would allow an infinite amount of inflation to take place and you wouldn't know that it happened. So, so Monero and, and Monero like rolled out a fix uh, and, and it didn't happen like, but you could tell whether it had been used. You just couldn't tell like how many coins would, would be created, right? So it had never been used on Monero and Monero rolled out a fix for it. And then they notified, after they had rolled out the fix, they notified some other coins that use the CryptoNote protocol, some of the developers to let them know and, and hopefully run fixes you know, patches to fix their their coins. And then a month later, Monero made a disclosure about, you know, having found this vulnerability and fixed it. Several of these coins didn't even fix this bug. And one of them, Bitcoin, it had a $300 million market cap. It's still got the bug in it and it's got a $700 million market cap. And it can be infinitely inflated. (laughs) Like... What? So um, I think that 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 could definitely be a sign that we've got a bubble that people are just buying who knows what for who knows what reason. <laughs> um, but hey, if you can like if you can time the bubbles and you can like go in and get your profits out, like I think there's a ton of money to be made doing it. Oh, absolutely. And you never know when the bubble's going to peak either. So uh, you could think we're at the bubble right now and sell all your cryptocurrencies, but they could all double from here and the pullback might actually be higher than where we're currently at. You never know. So, you know, that's the market. You never know what's going to happen. But uh, I know that... You, the dog yep. on LSD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, chasing whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, definitely there are going to be some winners and losers for sure. And Bitcoin obviously is doing very well. Ethereum looking very good. Um, Dash is one that I was quite interested in, and we featured it at the Dollar Vigilante to newsletter subscribers around $17. It's currently $155. That was only a couple months ago, by the way. You were telling me, though, that you think there's a sort of a spinoff of Dash that uh, could be sort of very interesting. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I was at a BitDevs meetup in New York, and uh, and. I was kind of strutting around because I'd been playing with Dash, right? When it was like $8 and it, it was up to like $80 or something. So I was like strutting around and a bunch of the, the Bitcoiners are giving me, giving me crap. And so, uh, you know, when the, when the check came for dinner, I was like, well, I don't, I don't know if I can afford it. Like <laughs> my Dash went up too much, right? 
<laughs> um, but one one of one of my friends at the at the meetup, he told me he was like, "Well, have you looked at this uh, coin called Privex?" And I was like, "No, I haven't even heard of it. Like, what's Privex?" And he was like, "Well, it's basically a clone of Dash uh, that has some fixes, and it's you know, it's 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 literally a fork of Dash, um, a lot of the code." And so I was like, well, that's interesting. So I went and like looked around at Privex and everything. And, uh, and then just a, a few days ago, I was like, man, I wonder what's happened with Privex in this altcoin bubble, right? Because like Dash has just gone, gone bonkers. It's gone to like $1.1 billion market cap um, from like $16 million market cap about a year, year and a half ago. So, I mean, that's a huge move. And, and there's real volume in Dash, right? Like we're seeing it on Kraken and, and the other exchanges. So I went and looked at, you know, I went and looked at Privex a, a few days ago and it's, a, it's at a $50 million market cap despite like this entire huge altcoin bubble. And it actually, it, it ran up really high. It kind of tracked Dash in January and February, but then it, in March, but it's had this correction in April and May and and then we have this massive altcoin bubble that's happening right now, but it hasn't really seemed to caught on to to Privex yet. And you know, Privex has has some really cool features because I I think the coins that and, and I you know I did a podcast about this and talked about it in interviews several years ago. That I think that where there's a big opportunity for coins is in the privacy anonymity space. So, and I, and I specifically had mentioned Monero and Dash uh, in that interview, right? Well, Privex plays right to that niche and that market. And so does uh, like Zero Cash and Zcash, which is at like $250, up from $20 a few months ago, right? So Dash is up, huge percentages. Uh, Monero's up huge percentages. Zero Cash and Zcash are up huge percentages, and Privex, which is in the same universe, uh, this privacy universe, it's actually had a correction and is sitting at fifty million dollar market cap. And yet, it's getting it's getting additional exchange implementations happening. It's getting listed on more and more exchanges because right now, pretty much Bitrex is the only exchange that that uh, supports it. So if Shapeshift.io support, you know, if they roll out a Privex uh, support, and that, like, I'm just looking at it, like 50 million market cap, uh, you know, it could, if you took some profits off of Dash and moved them into Privex, you know, it it would take very a very small amount of that Dash market cap moving into Privex to send Privex up you know, a couple hundred million dollars in terms of market cap. So that, that might be the play, right? Like take some profits out of Ripple, take some profits out of uh, Dash or Monero and move a little bit of it into Privex. What's the, uh, what are the improvements that Privex has over Dash and why wouldn't or couldn't Dash just take those improvements and implement them themselves? Do you know? Um no, <laughs> I, to be honest, like I, that, I yeah, if you're going to invest like seriously in this, I'd want to know the answers to those questions, but uh, as a trade, I can see why uh, you like it. Yeah. I mean, I just, I, I just like, it's not really worth my, like, 
I mean, I'm not going to put any large amounts of money in it, Mm. um, you know, because, I mean, it's just an altcoin. But, hey, if, you know, you put in a couple hundred bucks and it goes up like 20 or 30x, like, why not, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. That's what's been going on. I'm looking at the chart of it. And, yeah, it's quite interesting that it has faded off so much in the last couple of months during this entire altcoin bubble. So, yeah, I definitely will keep an eye on it. Yeah, I think the the website is p what is it p i v x dot org, pivx. It trades on Bitrex. Oh, I mean, what other altcoins are there to play right now? I, I don't know, you know. And and if Bitcoin's, you know, if we're gonna have turbulence in Bitcoin and 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 Jihan is gonna stifle protocol upgrades and development so that he can get transaction fees. Hey, we got to have entertainment value somewhere, right? <laughs> like, why, you know, and had enough of it with Ripple and Dash and Monero and Steam. Uh, you know, I think I think Pivx might be a fun little uh, fun little one to have some entertainment value with. Cool. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, of course, as I mentioned, this will go out to Dollar Vigilante subscribers before going live on YouTube. So another good reason to subscribe. It's only about $15 a month uh, to subscribe to the newsletter. You've seen our returns. Just check it out at dollarvigilante.com slash subscribe. And Trace, is there anything else you wanted to mention before we go? It's good that you updated us on what's going on with Segwit, with BIP 148, uh, how we should be aware of it and be prepared to protect ourselves from it. Uh, but is there anything else you wanted to mention? And if not, why don't you just let people know about your show and anything else you want to let them know? Oh, okay. Yeah. So just, uh, you know, the trade, the, the fun trade to, to speculate with might be PIVX, P-I-V-X.org. Um, make sure that you are controlling your own private keys. Glacierprotocol.org has great, uh, it's like a 90 page step-by-step guide to make sure that you're doing it the right way. Uh, be aware of BIP 148 and this potential, this user-activated soft fork of Bitcoin that is going to happen August 1st, uasfguide.com, uasfguide.com, get familiar with it. Like, because if you're taking profits from altcoins, you take those profits into Bitcoin, right? Because you, you have to go through Bitcoin to go through all these exchanges and stuff. So, I mean, you have to make sure that your foundation is solid. Uh, and then, yeah, I got my podcast, uh, www.bitcoin.kn. Otherwise, uh, thanks so much for having me. I think we've really done your your audience a good service uh, in terms of helping them understand some of the risks and reward potential with this BIP 148 because it's happening, you know, regardless of whether people want it to or not. It's it's happening August first, so you just have to be aware of it, prepared for it, and then you know that's preparation and opportunity that's where you you can make some real real money and stuff yeah, absolutely i appreciate you taking the time i know your busy schedule uh to uh tell people about these things because a lot of people aren't aware of them i wasn't even aware of bip 148 so you even mentioned it so uh now a lot of people be aware of it and can uh, prepare for it and and use that information to their advantage even with the upcoming turbulence and things like that or possible turbulence at the very least uh and so yeah if you like this video please like subscribe share down below uh that's how we can get this information out to as many people as possible and that's it for the dollar vigilante peace love and anarchy. Be sure to get a copy of the free Bitcoin Guide at freebitcoinguide.com. 
Got a question or suggestion? Record your voice at Bitcoin.kn. Don't be shy. To help the show, share Bitcoin.kn with friends, post about it on Reddit, and otherwise, spam the interwebs. Your iTunes comments and five-star reviews are very important to us. Please continue tuning in to the Bitcoin Knowledge Podcast, where we release interviews with the top people in the Bitcoin world. Now take some choline and let that Bitcoin knowledge consolidate. <laughs>